Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode two of a two-part series. I don't know why we decided to do a two-part series. I think because— We didn't decide. It, well, we, we had such amazing guests. We decided that, well, this is going to be a four-hour episode. I know. So this officially is episode 69. Episode what? 69. Wow, I can't believe we've lasted that long. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, Alice. <laughs> and of course, we have to thank our presenting sponsor, Nissan. Best warranty in the business on half-ton trucks, Nissan Titan and Titan XD. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. If you're in the market for a half-ton truck, head on down to your Nissan dealer. Nissan Titan XD. Also, don't forget they offer the awesome Little Frontier and the Nissan NV series of vans. And, of course, Lightning, we can't forget to uh, thank our associate sponsor, Decked. So if you're looking for a fantastic storage solution for your truck or your van, you got to check out Decked.com. Uh, they are rolling storage boxes, and they you can put... 2,000 pounds on top of your rolling storage solution. Is that what this episode weighs? 2,000 pounds? Yeah, if you put part one and part two together. I in mind. <laughs> and don't forget it's... Episode 69. Thanks, Alice. All right, can we start the show? The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck... Because truck rides with... Truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. So, sitting on the uh, the couch this entire time has been our secret guest with his uh, rosy red beard, and he's been silent over there listening to KJ and uh, and Kansas Sarton and everything. He's been over like, when's my chance? When's my chance? And now is his chance. But before we're going to announce him and, and get him on the air, can we I have just to play. before you do that? Can I just point out that the gravitational pull of each other's beards is very strong in this room? Alan, do you feel gravitational pull? There's there's a risk of some kind of tangling happening. I think. Oh my yeah, God! Like, All right, stop talking. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a story. Pull up a stool and share. How about you pull up a stool and share with us? All right, so Alan, pull up a stool. Oh, you're sitting on a chair. I guess it's a lot more uh, better than our couch, stool. right? Yes. All right, so Mr. Holman, counterpart in this endeavor, uh-huh. explain to our audience who Alan Macy is and why he's going to spend some time with us. Well, uh, our guest, Alan Macy, is a uh, jack of all trades. And uh, he is the founder and president of TMGPS. Are you org. reading this? Are you reading Hold this? Hold on a second. <laughs> Also, the uh, co-founder and creative director of thecurbshop.com. The curb Now, these shop. might not mean anything to you until okay. I tell you what's behind this. All right. I guarantee you that if you have been traveling through the world of Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. and you are a car enthusiast, at some point you have seen his ad for the very t-shirt that I am wearing. <gasps> Wait a minute. The manual gearbox preservation society. Homie high five. Come and give me some of that, Alan. <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah. little, uh, mag- uh, little manual transmission love here. Uh, obviously we are, uh, we are a big fan. So, uh, Lightning actually uh, reached out 
and then dro- completely dropped the ball. I picked it up, and we got him here. I saw. I see. I didn't know that you were already a, a fan, fan of it, and fan. I saw one of your ads running. I think that's what I saw. How did you get this thing started? Now it was there were T-shirts, right? What else is involved? Well, hold on. Let, let's set up his background. I'm a sorry, bit. I'm just too excited. And he and we haven't even let him speak yet. But I just <laughs> I feel there's really no Alan here. No, <laughs> just you and me in here. But I feel like I'm Alan. Here's the I run the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society. And he has the cane and he shakes it at all the kids with automatic transmission. I remember when I had a, a manual You gearbox. don't have more than two pedals in that thing, you whippersnapper. No, that's Get not Get off my lawn and off my lawn. By the way, Alan is our age, so at least Alan in our mind, the figment of Alan. Okay, Alan wait, wait, wait. Alan, say no. something. Hello, everybody. Oh, oh there you go. Okay. He's real. I wish you would have said hello, everybody, in podcast land. Though. That would have been better. All right, so here's the deal. I feel like if we just say he makes cool t-shirts, that that's not enough, right? So I asked him to send us a bio, and it turns out he and I know a bunch of the same people, and it turns out that he has like really important jobs in life in the automotive industry, and not just one or two, but he's done like everything. So here, let's start. He's a former OEM car designer. Worked with some of my what? friends that are currently car designers. At what brands? From 2009 to 2016 at FCA. So you may remember him from such automotive designs as the Gen 5 Viper, or... Lead designer for the SRT Motorsports brand, or the Viper GTSR, the Challenger uh, TA2, the Dodge NHRA Funny Car, some SEMA concepts, a Hellcat Wrangler concept. Uh, he also worked on the JL upper body structure. Lots of wheels, he says. Uh, the 75th anniversary salute, and also a uh, Moab staff photographer for the Jeep crew when they were out there. Uh, finished at Ford in 2018, but also above and beyond alumni and freaking faculty at the Pasadena Art Center College of Design, which is a huge freaking thing. Oh, wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. Yeah, so uh, he published a freaking book no, in 2008. We do not have an author in the studio. And he started the Automotive Lifestyle brand Curve back in the early 2000s with his parents. Always believed in it, but never really had the means to dive in. That's pretty so dramatic. Treated as a hobby in a creative outlet. <laughs> anyway, he'll tell us the story behind that, but- uh, he made the first uh, TMGPS, the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society, back in 2014, and it ended up getting on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. You're kidding me. So first off, is that the longest intro you've ever had? Yeah, and I did not intend for that to be read out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's all true. <laughs> How did you get started in automotive? So my dad's a uh, uh, studio engineer, so he's uh, been in the car business, in the design design side of the car business uh since the late 70s and um so i've just kind of been around it all my life and um i wasn't super into cars growing up i was kind of more into art and skateboarding and what kind of board did you ride i like toy machine oh and toy Zero machine kind of brand. do you remember so, when uh, toy machine is based uh huntington beach huntington yeah. beach yeah okay. at templeton okay i thought for sure because you're not old enough i thought you were gonna say like you rode alva or something like that no but i used to skate with uh bill danforth who Rode for Alva. He was like the old man at the skate park when I was like okay. 13 years old. Did you ever get a chance when you were in LA to go to Tony Alva's store? I think it, I think no. you shut it down. No, yeah. no, no. Okay. This okay. was all in back in Detroit. So. Okay, got it. I okay. had a, uh, a neighbor who uh, owned, I think it was Riviera Skateboards. And, Riviera? Uh, yeah, and back Ooh. in the day, I used to skate. You remember when, uh, this will age us, when Schmidtstick oh came out with the clear plastic bottom so you no longer needed uh, rails on the yeah, board? Yeah, that was lame. No real way. Skaters did not, no, real skaters no, didn't. No. Let me ask you, did real skaters ever use 
um, guard, like truck guards and, and and rail sliders and all that stuff? The answer is yeah, no. No, I don't, I don't, no, no, but this was the whole bottom of the board was laminated plastic, so you slide over stuff. No, it was awesome. Real That's skaters the, never use no, any that. No, that, bad, that board was badass no, when it came out. No, no. Yep, no. totally badass. Are we all wearing Vans right now? Uh, no, I'm wearing Globes. Well, you suck. No, I'm not. Alan and I wear Sponsored bands. by Globe. I love these shoes. Love them so much. How are so you much. sponsored? What have you done where they sponsor I have been you? wearing Globe since 20, like 2011. I've been wearing Vans since I was two. And no, I'm telling you guys, if you're looking, I, this is no joke. This is seriously no joke. I bought them at a skate shop. Many, many Okay, Alan's dying to say something. Tell uh, me about Globe. No, I just, uh, Globe, well, I used to work at a skate shop and we used to sell Globes back in like late 90s. And uh, I just remember they kind of came out of nowhere in the late 90s. And, and then sponsored lighting because they're I, No, I'm telling you that I bought them just at a skate shop and I go, you know when you find that perfect, whether it's the shirt and it's soft cotton and you, you love it love and it. you buy more, or their socks or underwear, whatever. I bought a pair of Globes and I'm like, I need to know more about this by the way, or by, yeah. the, by the way, this shirt is really soft. I like it. What do you print on? What are those shirts? What, what they brand? Are, are they Next Level or uh, Bella Camus, made in the USA? Yeah, yeah. Bella. Those that are really good. Awesome shirts. Okay, but I, so, I, uh, I, I bought this because I'm so stoked. And what's cool about these shirts? You can get them in any gearbox pattern. And so mine is the JK, my Wrangler JK manual transmission gearbox oh, pattern. Which wow, is very, very cool. smart. So going back to the beginnings, your 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 dad is in the automotive industry, and yeah, and um, so I think. I, I'd been hanging out around CCS and um, I kind of got exposed to the transportation d- design department there and what I kind of realized is that it was a way to have a creative job that b- would offer kind of like a steady job with job security. It was kind of a world that I knew I was familiar with. And then I also kind of realized that like I kept being a little bit, um, I don't know if indecisive is the right word, but like I kept kind of jumping from one thing to another because I'd like get bored and because lo- you have uh, ADD yeah I definitely <laughs> and you know I think a lot of it's just kind of like naive arrogance I remember being like well I don't want to be a photographer I think I'm already pretty good at this and, so, <laughs> um, so you cross it off your bucket list of yeah things I'm like I'll get I'll get bored so um which is probably the dumbest <laughs> thing I ever thought ever um because I wish I was a photographer now but um yeah so it there was something about the complexity of it that you weren't just kind of making art. You were solving problems and working with a team and putting something together. Um, that kind of made me gravitate towards it. And ironically... Now, that's weird. Can I pause you right there for, for one second? Skaters are usually very independent and don't like traveling in packs. They like the uh, fact that... That's not true. Look, have you ever seen Gleaming no, the no, Cube? No, no, no. There's I, a no, giant no. pack of skaters. No, 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 no. But, but, but skating is not... Skaters are never... Sorry, not never. Are rarely football players. Skaters are rarely a traditional sports players because yeah. they like doing something. Yes, skaters hang out in groups. They're like minded, but they're very independent people. Nothing on my Gleaming which the Cube is, reference. No, I don't. Gleaming the Cube is a lame ass movie. I get wow, it, but like, yeah, and, damn, yeah. I mean, You're a hater. No, it was just weeks. That was, a that great was movie. Christian Slater in Gleaming Pizza the Hut Cube. and twenty kids on skateboards going down the hill. I'm, yeah, I I don't work well in teams at all. Right, so um, so that's why I brought up. I could I could I was wondering about this. So now you join the automotive industry, which is largely team based. Yeah, and also very corporate. Yeah, um, very. But I think FCA in particular, uh, based on the places that I've worked, there's something special about it. It's very kind of there's it's very it's corporate, but um, the leadership there kind of knows how to still have fun within those boundaries and it's it's a really good environment um sounds kind of corny people kind of throw the word family around a lot but there's something special about that place and they kind of i think looked at me as this 
kind of punk kid that added something to the vibe. Which and is probably why you're on all these high-profile uh, design and concepts and stuff, right? I mean, possibly. You got yeah, an HGU well, that kind of came out in your design. No, when you say when you say FCA, Fiat Chrysler automobiles. Automobiles. Okay, yep. so you're working for corporate, corporate, or you're working for one of the brands. So the way design office works is it's one big group called product design office and uh, you're broken into the teams by brand. So it's kind of one big open space, especially after they did the remodel where they kind of knocked a lot of the doors down. So but it's very Google-esque. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's um, a little bit more, um, a little bit more like dirt, like serious and kind of like there's, you know car parts and clay and stuff everywhere okay. so it, it it's definitely play-doh or like automotive clay automotive clay but you know there was definitely a period where there's a lot of people riding around on razor scooters and stuff like that so it so it's it, a, you did have kind of a dot-com atmosphere at some yeah point, i think that right? they kind of try to make try to create a vibe like that um did you have a half pipe anywhere in like the break room no not at all no but they like have that. a design dome yeah and i used to take i had like a little uh to me a RC Porsche that I used to run around in that um, (laughs) in the dome yeah the dome's cool they tore out all the carpet and put in this really slick kind of black surface in there do the spin outs and stuff with it yeah it was awesome (laughs) so we get to go there probably I don't know I get to go there like twice a year right when uh, they have a a preview for like Detroit Auto Show or or the new models what's new coming so we get to go there and check out place out and so I've been in that room this is again a lot. this is the the dome that you've referred to yeah. before why yeah. and why is it called the dome again because it's, it's, it's a, a literal dome. dome it's literally a dome with a it's, stage in it and turntables how and big is lighting. this thing uh, I don't know three hundred feet in diameter probably yeah maybe not quite a football field maybe but close what are the acoustics like in this thing fine yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a uh, the the walls and ceiling are kind of made of like a ceiling tile type material. Yeah. So I think it kind of absorbs, it doesn't echo or anything in there. So you can put like a, a bunch of different cars on the one side on like turntables and light them a certain way. And then there's like a stage on the other side where you can have like reveals. Okay. And then next to it is like a room that leads to some of the designers back offices, like a stairway outside. And there's like a room. So sometimes they'll have some vehicles in there for people to see. So you can split up the group. Like you may want somebody to see something in the dome, but maybe there's something extra special for a couple of people that might get ushered into the side room and then you can go outside and I won't tell of the time that I was smuggled in the trunk of a car and up the <laughs> back stairs. But I, that's it, a whole other story. This dome is like, <laughs> what, two stories tall? Three, four, five? Uh, at least two Probably stories Probably two and a half, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. But well, I guess enough about the dome itself, but I'm just curious. So, you, so you're working here and you're, 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 you're vibing on the team thing. Yeah, so I came in and I was in the advanced studio, which is the one studio that kind of works w- on all the brands. Um, and that's where they kind of start to develop the very early stages of a car kind of figuring out how big it is and what the right position yeah what the right position of the person is and then from figuring out what the right position of the person is you can kind of work your way out from there and is that where the name of your book h point came from because yeah. obviously hip point is the yeah. the part of where you slide into the vehicle it's yeah. essentially where your where your hips and and your seated area is and so the h point the the height of it off the ground is sort of like a truck would have a high h point and a car you drop down have a low h yeah. point and i should be clear my dad is the author of h point um and we published it through the company and I, cool. I kind of uh, I was actually going through school when he was doing the bulk of that work and I just kind of helped out with some illustration and stuff like that. Yeah, there's but, some really cool drawings. I was looking through the website and stuff, and it's it's very cool. I am. Um, What's the focus of the book, Holman? It's ba- it's basically um, 
it's a it's a really good insight into the automotive design process from a very kind of um, like a very sketchy sort of way. So like when a sketchy like underhanded. No, no, no. no like, like sketches. <laughs> like here, here. Was, like I'm literal kidding. sketches. So here's some cool. So it's this really great. Like look at the art on here, and I'm showing Lightning the the website. So uh, so thecurbshop.com, and you can see the book and kind of walks you through car design and kind of gives you a lot of the like the things that we talked about. You know, like the greenhouse, the B pillar, the C pillar, the tumble home, the like things we might use on the show. Sort of shows what each of those things it's are. A, it's a glossary. But like a for visual people, right? It's like a, a cool book of like honestly, I I want to own this book because I you may not know this, but in my uh, in my early years before I did any of this stuff, I loved automotive design and went to school for art and wanted to always go to Pasadena Art Center and then it got burned out in art and I just went through like a period of two or three years of my life where I wasn't creative anymore and it killed me because I had always that creativity has not returned just FYI oh not yeah <laughs> have you seen my doodles lately yeah, it I mean just not, listen not to this good. show horrible you know what I mean horrible <laughs> um, but I became friends with a lot of designers so Mark Allen obviously we've talked to him on the show before Pat Schiavone at Ford uh, I got close to um, and what I really appreciated is every time the auto show those guys, I would walk around with them, whether it was Mark looking at other brands, designs, or Pat, which was awesome. And because they saw that I enjoyed design and had a design eye, they would spend a half an hour, an hour with me walking around the show, and we would talk about proportions and B-pillar. And so I had this sort of like um, layman's education from some really well-known and good automotive designers out there. And even to this day, I, I still love design and, and in my job as a as an editorial person, you know, I we have that conversation and there's designers that I you know, talk to all the time and it's fun to kind of talk about how something ended up because what you envision isn't always technically possible in the manufacturing world and so things changed. And- For sure and I think the cool thing about design too is like not, you know, it's not something that a lot of people do but it's something that everybody is interested in one way or another because everybody has an opinion about the way their car looks or um, you know everything. Down. No, they have an opinion about the other guy's car more so than their own. Yeah, they well, like of course, their they car. They love their car. Yeah, um, and they course. and they hate the guy in the in the car next to them. So what are we looking at? PayPal checkout. Oh, yeah, buy the book. Holman is actually I'm buying actually the book, buy this book on uh, what it, it's curb. What's the website again? Uh, Thecurbshop.com. Thecurbshop.com. This is like the type of book that I can immerse myself in that I love, and I'm I'm going to support you. Not only have I bought a T-shirt in the past, but I'm buying this book. Yeah, I, I mean, you didn't need to do that. I could have got you one, but it's okay <coughs> because it's worth it. We support our guests. We do. I, I really appreciate it. So, um, so, so take us through. You're at the dome. What are you, what are you doing there? And then where do we where do we go on the timeline from there? Yeah, so we were. Um, I I hired in right after the company came out of bankruptcy. So FCA had just taken over. Ralph um, Gilles had just kind of been taken over as VP of design and he was they lost a lot of people in the bankruptcy whether it was just um, early retirements or people that just didn't have a lot of confidence about the future to buy out stuff like that so he was looking to just rebuild the team and um, I think he was trying to not necessarily just go for like the best guys out there but he was really trying to build a team of characters that worked well together and he's always really focused on um, creating a good environment for everybody and a good kind of vibe in the in the studio and, um, and and he goes to a lot of length outside of work too to kind of get people together and do stuff. So, he, so he's he just an awesome guy. He in understands that, way. that people make better products when they're happy. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, definitely. There are some that don't care. Uh, I will tell you that in my experience of knowing a lot of automotive designers uh, from all the ma- major manufacturers, um, we've talked to Rich Shear from General Motors has been on the show before. Again, uh, Mark Allen from Jeep has been on the show before. I know Ralph for a long time just from doing all the stuff and and a lot of other car companies. But there's something about the FCA group that is different, and it's sort of an intangible. I know a lot of people inside Ford. I know a lot of people inside just all these different companies. And there's something that is there's is it a screw loose? Is it there's a, that little more <laughs> that little extra bit of freedom? I feel like all these other designers are are very for being designers are sort of buttoned up in corporate. But there's something about the FCA crew that they're just allowed to have more fun, and I think it shows in a lot of the stuff that they do. But plus, they have some pretty unique products. Yeah, and I think that there's definitely a lot of like. I mean, you take a guy like Mark Allen, and he's not going to waste any time taking you down a peg. And I think um, you go to some other places and designers. You know, you go to like a really expensive school, and you might have the chance to travel to Europe, and you get kind of interested in expensive things, and everybody kind of starts to take themselves really seriously, and they take design really seriously, and you know, start showing up to work with scarves on and stupid shoes and yeah so i was gonna ask you, <laughs> you so know, like there's a joke amongst automotive journalists that everybody in design is the part of the pointy shoe society yeah it's, what is up with that i don't know i uh i mean i, I like wearing vans and yeah i <laughs> no he's got dude he's got no well he's got he's not wearing the traditional vans he's got skate vans real skate so he's got black on black no, no he's got old black schools. soles are those schools, old yeah, schools yeah, or yeah. skate highs these yeah. are high skate highs yeah, yeah. yeah. For I, sure. I, I wear my skate highs He's got just jeans on, regular shirt. Well, he's yep. wearing a curb shirt, which but I really But it's did. funny. Like, I, I know a lot of really cool guys, and like uh, Ryan Nagoti over yeah, who oh does yeah, the Ram awesome. interior. Ryan's yeah. been on the show before. And uh, I was teasing Joe Daner, yeah. you know, and I've, I'm like, Ryan, why does everybody else who's in design wear pointy shoes? Well, Ryan and Joe <laughs> Daner both wear pointy yeah, shoes. Yeah, they do. But they're, they're still cool. No, but, they're, they're cool. Um, now, you're, you're, you were a <laughs> skater, and skaters are haters, big time. Yeah. Skaters. By and large, are like I hate you. I hate the man. I hate what you look like. I hate you know. What <laughs> Dang, I mean? that's and a lot then, of hate, no, dude. No, no, no. But they're good at it, and and usually <laughs> they can back it up with some uh, a sense of style, or 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 they exude freedom. And I don't know. What just, does it look like when you exude freedom? Uh, is it colorful? You 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 you. Are there you, sprinkles? You know what I mean? They're just like I don't need you. I right. don't need you, and that's freedom, right? They're like, I'm going to go be successful or be happy without you. I think that's kind of the skater thing. Um, and so you're looking at the guys with the pointy shoes going, bro, you're so weak. Yeah, I mean, hate's a strong word, but I think- it, I don't like, mean actual say, hate. You know like, what hate, I'm saying. No, but I hate on people. Like, when I talk about hating on people, like, I, I'm a talker, so- I'll if somebody's wearing shoes that I think are stupid, I'll just tell them that, dude, your shoes look <laughs> stupid. What are you doing? Um You've earned but, that right as a pretty damn good designer, so. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but the point is, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good vibe in there, and um, so when the company's coming out of bankruptcy, they had this kind of urgent need. They had to refresh the entire product line, so that was like, I think it was about 16 different yeah. cars, um, and it was just like all hands on deck, everybody going crazy. And then I think as like a morale booster, Ralph decides, okay, we're going to throw Gen 5 Viper in the mix too. <laughs> and so now everybody in the whole office was working on that. And I'd been at the company, well, I think literally the day I got there was like, I think the news was kind of already out. And so I just, because I didn't have the baggage of working on a lot of other projects at the time, I was kind of spending all my spare time and 
I was staying in an extended state hotel. My wife was out of town, so I was just like drawing all night. And um, I kind of landed on a drawing I thought was cool, and um, I was kind of presenting it. But the quality of the work wasn't really that good relative to the rest of the guys, just because I had a lot less experience than them. And it kind of went through the typical design process, and I actually didn't uh, make it. They had kind of picked, I think they had picked six guys. They were going to do three models with, each guy had half a model, and um, they were going to do it in a month. So, so you're talking about uh, the clay is the full size, and fit, each fit person has... Or quarter scale clay okay. model. And so. half of it is one person's design, half yeah. of it's the other. Yeah, and then you throw a mirror on it, yeah. and it's just an efficient way to, to work. Um, so my, my design didn't make it, and then they were going to work on these models for four weeks, and then they were going to kind of do a review, and nobody really knew what was going on from there, and... Um, so I kind of just got back on with what I was doing. We were working on a minivan at the time, and um, and I was working on a gem. Oh, a minivan, ouch. <laughs> you get the, the gem. Um, yeah, the electric vehicle. The electric golf yeah, cart yeah, thing. Yeah. So I was working on the, what was going to be the next version of that. And um, one day my phone rang, and it was Ralph. And he's like, hey, man, um, I've been thinking about your your design, and we don't really have another one in the mix it's like that and i'd like to see it so we're going to get you going um tomorrow and so he's like stop playing with golf carts and make a real car yeah <laughs> so then um so were, we you, were you were you nervous when the boss man calls or no or you guys no, had no, a great I, I mean i actually knew ralph since i was my dad worked for ralph back in the day so okay. i kind of had a good i mean i wasn't nervous but um it was a big deal for sure yeah, pressure's um, on yeah so i got teamed up with pretty much the best one of the best clay modelers in the building and we banged out a model in a couple weeks and it, it, i was proud of it it came out pretty well and at this point you guys are still doing clays by hand right Every- this this was done completely by hand so yeah. we started with a gen 4 viper machined out of clay okay and then we just started hacking and, and into there it. were pieces of the viper like the a pillar and the windshield yeah the whole or- the whole windshield was carryover yeah. so that was kind of the and and obviously the wheelbase yep. and Overall, approximate overall length, that sort, that sort of thing. So on the Gen 5s, you can kind of see the original, the Gen 1, you know, the earlier Vipers in it. Sort of like the uh, the Nissan 300ZX was like that, where the roof was designed with a French curve, and the newer version had the same sort of A-pillar into the roof that the earlier ones had. And so I always kind of appreciated that because even though Viper sort of got m- more toward the supercar area, there are still hints of what the original car was yep. peppered in the in the in the new design. And yeah, I mean cool. the the story of that car really is just that it really probably maybe shouldn't have ever happened. It was just a bunch of really passionate people that wanted to make it happen, yeah. and they'd do it any way that they could. And if that meant they had to carry over a ten year old windshield, they were going to carry over a ten year old windshield. Yeah, we made it through that clay model process, and um, we had a big review in the dome and. Basically, Ralph had kind of made his decision, and the decision was that uh, there was a guy, Scott Kruger, who he had a really the over his overall design was really good, and and Scott, uh, who's now I mean he's one of my best friends, and he's head of um, all of Alpha Design over in oh, Italy wow. now. Very cool. So he so Ralph kind of basically broke the news to everybody. It's like, look, um, you know, great job, everybody. Scott, you know, Scott's going to do the car. We're going to go with Scott's theme, but. We're gonna take Macy's body side and put it on there, and wow. uh, guy Tomei wow. put his front end on. So, and then I think his exact words to me were like, and or he kind of said like, and we're gonna Macy, I need you to donate your body side and get on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
and it, that you know that's one of those like uh, it's like a giant kicking the balls and a kiss at the same time yeah, you know yeah. it's kind of like backhanded uh, compliment yeah. yeah so i mean and i don't think people realize that in the world of car design that you have a bunch of designers and you're tasked with a project and it sort of gets narrowed down over time and mm-hmm. and they want there i guess there's a theme or or sort of some parameters that are put out there mounted parameters Although these are uh, design parameters, yes, they are, and uh, and then it kind of gets whittled down until they choose a design. So there's sort of a like a pants off dance off, I think is how they do it, mm-hmm. and then that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, they- ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Alan outside for the pants off dance off, <laughs> yeah. um, and then then that design matures and other people work on it yeah. and, and whatnot. Yeah, it becomes it goes from being kind of like a death match to like a team collaborative situation in a lot of ways. But oh, so you're talking mad smack, and then you got to team up with the guy that you were hating on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Viper thing in particular, there was some drama. I mean, they put us in this little, like, they took a bunch of walls and put them together and then padlocked it, and only the people working on it were allowed in there. Oh, and, yeah. Like, there's a lot of people that were butthurt that they weren't sure. involved, and so Ouch. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on like that. But, it was, I mean, at the end of the day, it was all good fun. Because I was on the inside of the yeah circuit. exactly. Um, <laughs> no, after Ralph had kind of made that comment to me, I think like literally the next meeting was I was now presenting my my stupid electric golf cart to him, <laughs> and he kind of at some point he just stopped me and he said, um, "What are you, what are you doing with yourself?" You know, no, he he said something along the lines of like, "I really appreciate how seriously you're taking this." Um, this gem project, and he said, look, I promise I'll make it up to you one day. Uh, probably a year went by or something. Scott's off doing the Viper pretty much by himself. Uh, Mark Trosel, who you might yep. know, he yeah, uh, he was like the director on the project, and Scott was working for him. And and things were going kind of badly for me in the advanced studio. I just, my boss and I were kind of like oil and water, and uh, I think, you know, I was just being the punk skater, getting a little bit frustrated. What did, what did you just called the event studio? Advanced studio. Oh, advanced studio. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Lightning's been doing radio for a really long time, so if you look at our our knobs on our headphones, he's on like twelve, and I'm on six, and he can't actually. Yeah, no, it. no, no. Seriously, look at this. Look at this. Look at look. There's yours. Look at mine. Oh wow, you're crazy. No, it's up. legit. Yeah. You literally will talk to him like while driving down the road, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah," kind of like your grandpa would, where he, you know he can't hear you, but he's trying to placate. No, you. it sucks. I, I wore a pair of seventy MDR seventy five hundred sixes for twenty five years. Wow. So it just it's it's killing me. They're done. Yeah. What? Your ears are done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I didn't fall. I totally fell for yeah, that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that was, that was like the equivalent of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did the whole. He did the round the, the circle. Round with circle. With you know, nuts. you know what to do. Okay, so so Ra- Ralph tells you. So Ra- yeah, Ralph had promised me he'd make it up to me, but some time had gone by, and I I was just I I wasn't really doing that well, and um, I think I was pretty much on the verge of getting fired. <laughs> And um, were, you, were you getting in fights with the uh, coworkers or my? Like, I just wasn't surly. Um, yeah, probably a little bit. He of kicked that a trash can right to the side of one of the clay <laughs> models, and <laughs> no, I just I wasn't. Um, but were you having one of those moments? You're like, seriously, this is what I'm doing with my life. Like I'm designing a freaking golf cart. No, like, no, 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 no. Because I take I try to take every project seriously and do the best I can on it. It had nothing to do with that. It, it was more just me being frustrated with the way that corporations make decisions and the, well, the, and the reality is like in the in the design world like you could you get mixed up around a lot right so 
you may do something that seems inconsequential, but the right people see you, and then you may follow up with an amazing project. So you really have to attack it from uh, give it your all every time because you just don't know. It sounds yeah. it sounds like every major movie that's been made. You yeah. know, you make one one Avenger movie, and you're a no, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden it does well, and they everybody's after you. So. Yeah, I mean, the, you're only as good as your last sketch is kind of the way that it gets looked at. But so I I was I'm pretty sure I was about I was really on the verge of getting fired and. Um, there must have been some kind of situation where Trosol or Scott Kruger kind of intervened and they said, well, like, hang on a second, we'll take him. Like, they, I think they just felt like maybe I wasn't fitting in. Um, Which, by the way, is a huge, that shows good management right there. When you can save somebody and realize it's not them, it's the situation. If you put them on the right team, they're valuable. Yeah. Yeah, so I, at that time, um, the Viper itself was pretty close to being done because uh, that car got done really fast it's like 80 weeks which is super fast you know scott said hey we're gonna we want to bring you into srt we're gonna we're gonna launch srt as a brand and we're gonna go to lamar with the viper and uh ralph wants you to do the car so i'm like uh, okay sounds good um, <laughs> wow and and you know i kind of grew up you know my my dad's really into f1 and um, so I, I grew up with racing, so the Le Mans was, like, was a really big deal. So you just kind of dove right in and got to meet um, Bill Riley and Bob Riley, and they kind of showed us the what their kind of aerodynamic strategy was going to be and how they were going to set the set the wide body up on the car because you're basically taking a Viper and making it like seven inches wider. Um, and the Viper's already a super wide car to yeah, be Yeah, yeah. I think the Viper's already like 78 inches wide. Yeah, what's, like what's so legal, 81 or 82 or 80, something? Yeah, 80, right yeah. 80. So then they kind of gave me this like, uh, sort of like, uh, this is what we would do, now what would you do? And we kind of kept passing the design back and forth for a couple weeks. And, you know, a lot of it's kind of like you're tiptoeing around because you don't, you're trying to do your thing, but you respect that, especially in racing. And it's what I really loved about working in racing is that there's just no BS. It's all... Like, is the car going to be faster or slower because of what you're doing to it? But I remember being on a call with Bob Riley, and he kind of made the comment like, hey, man, this car keeps looking better, and it's doing, the arrow's getting better too, so this is everything's going in the right direction. And, and from once we kind of, after that comment, I think I certainly felt a lot more comfortable, and, and we just started doing our thing. You know, stuff would come up. We'd be like, oh, we need a, we need a livery you know, so I'm like, oh, I got it. You know, so I'm doing liveries, and it's like, oh, we need a driver's suit. Got it. You know, we need a transporter. That got stuff it. That's can cool. be that stuff can be fun to design. Oh, it's super yeah. fun. Yeah. So does that eventually get you into apparel? No, because so the apparel thing basically started. That was my dad. He um, he's kind of got like an entrepreneurial spirit, and I think he and he he's an engineer, but he always he would have been an artist if he could have been. He's an amazing illustrator. And so he had this idea like, man, nobody's making cool clothes or cool t-shirts for car guys. It's like the stuff that you're getting at the track, you know, like the kind of typical like NASCAR t-shirt or something is just totally over the top. The quality of the shirt's not that good. There's way too much ink on it. Um, So he was kind of like, I wish I could just get a nice shirt with Porsche 911 on it so I can wear it to Cars and Coffee, that kind of thing. And um, so we started making shirts. I mean, what 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 year was this? This is back in like two thousand two, three, four. This is this kinda. is freaking me out. Because so, it's paralleling your uh, uh, foray into apparel. 
Uh, a friend of mine, uh, James Hickerson, who used to work for, at first he was at uh, CEC, Klaus Edensberger Corporation. They were the official importer of uh, Lorenzer wheels and uh, a bunch of other brands, uh, uh, Brabus for a time, things like that, like high-end stuff. And then he went to go work for Eibach, and he was at Eibach for many years. And he and I, in 1998, nine, somewhere in there, said the identical thing. We're at a Denny's one night after drinking. And we're like, he was an amazing race car driver. Like he, he missed his calling. He was with two wheels or four wheels. Like I was, I, I saw him do things in the canyon that I, I don't have never seen anyone do on two wheels. And and I would go to Willow Springs out here to the big track and sit shotgun and and be like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, but we we loved on the stuff on the street as well. And we sat down at this night at Denny's. We go, we 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 have to make apparel that. Um, that the average car guy could could wear. That's not it's not fluorescent. It's not it's understated. It's whatever. And we went out and we we tried to get the we we went through maybe a hundred names. Um, Curb wasn't one of them, but we went through some bizarre names. We ended up with Chemical for a while, Chemical Industries, and we went and produced thousands of dollars with a, with a gear. And uh, finally, our trademark attorney gets back with us. Oh no, Chemical is taken by a a women's sundress company in New Jersey bummer and we're like well no we're, re- we're men's apparel nope doesn't work your apparel your apparel chemicals taken so then we moved on and we trademarked ovix ovix well we tried and then we found out that there was an issue in europe with ovix ovix and it was already on some some race teams we're like oh you gotta be kidding me we made up that word and then it turned out that it was like we were just depressed at this point we had spent a bunch of money and then we you were- went to zizix because you wanted it to be the last word oh wait that's a different story <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's the road on the 15 freeway so um we went down that road and we we failed but we really wanted to produce that. And now I see there's other brands. There's Driver Supply. And yeah, there's, there's, there's tons others. of people now. I but, mean, but, but at that time, and I'm not joking, this was just pre-internet or yep. just as the internet was going. But there was no real searches. But we were, if there was a brand at that time, we would have found it because we were going to every automotive convention. And he worked at IPOC at that time. He would have known about it. And yeah. there wasn't anything. So I feel like we, we tried and we failed. And I wish we would have done better because there was a market and there is a market for that. Definitely. Uh, you know, just the guys, like I said, you want to wear something that's cars and coffee appropriate or whatever, and there just wasn't. So I have a lot of admiration for what you were able to pull off with both Curb and, and the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's it was enabled because it was a hobby, right? So, like, it was never life and death. So that being said, we could kind of wind it up and down as our lives got busier. The company would kind of go quiet, and as we had time to work on it and motivation we could get it going again and my mom um who's you know just an amazing person and s- super supportive was just always there to be like oh you got three orders this week i'll ship or today or whatever i'll ship do you want me to ship them for you no yeah. she, she's like she, can you just hand me mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she just she um she just always owned that and um you know now we ship quite a lot more and moms comes, are awesome by yeah the way. My, you know supportive moms there are some. I, I've got a mom like that. She's amazing, and uh, not everybody has parents like that. No, I mean I'm super fortunate. I think I mean I think everybody's lucky to have a good mom. But I got 
both my parents are, are pretty amazing people. Same here. Um, my father took me to Santa Ana, California to go get my uh, first, uh, my business license, and I got my resale number and the whole nine, and gave me my first hundred bucks to invest in my nice. first silk screen and the whatnot. And this is in uh, seventh grade going into eighth. I had a... Uh, I had a business license in eighth grade, which That's I thought awesome. was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, and I sold some stuff, some surf apparel to uh, some local shops in Newport, Huntington, Hermosa, things like that. My and, dad uh, gave me my... his car. Uh, that's pretty cool. We went to. Uh, I did not want my father's station wagon. Well, I had a mine was the '87 Honda Accord LXI with the pop up headlights. Yes, and uh, my dad uh, was getting a new car, and I turned 16. So I remember, I think I turned 16 on a Wednesday, but he wasn't able to get off work to take me to get my test until Friday, and I was like. Damn it, right? You know, Friday, freaking Friday. I've been 16 for two days. Why am I not driving? And I passed the driver's test. We took it in his car. And at the end of the driver's test, he handed me a key to the car. No Now, way. my grandparents had given me some money to buy my first car for my 16th birthday. So, of course, that was the deal. I give them the money from my grandparents. So my grandparents seeded it to me, and so that's I paid my my dad, and and I, but I got a key to my my first car that day after the driver's license. He handed me my own my own cut key and said, "Here you go, congratulations." Nice. Alan, what was your first car? I had an XJ. Uh, nice. Uh, what? Nineteen ninety eight um, Cherokee Sport. Well that's done. rad. Amethyst. Very cool. Yeah, kind of an oddball color. You yep. know, it's funny actually. It's because funny that you had an XJ, and I almost had an S- XJ six Jaguar. <laughs> and not I, I no, I I did not want it. My dad's like, I'm like, this so weak sauce. Like, what is that? He was fast. Board uh, brake rotors. Yeah, street six long. Yeah, I was like, that, yeah. Nobody should own that car unless they can replace the brakes on their own. <laughs> <laughs> the race replace everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So going that's back true. to your your your, your uh, Jeep. But to be clear, he's talking about a Jeep XJ. Though. I understand that. Yeah, for audience. It, I wanted a black one, and um, we were at the dealer lot. And it was dark, and uh, <laughs> they didn't have a black one, but they could get me one, but it was going to take like three days. But then there was this car sitting off in the kind of in the dark, and it was like this cool, really cool, like navy blue color. And I'm like, damn, I never saw that color before. I'll, I'll get that because I, wa- I wanted the car like yeah, then. Totally. Right? I'm like, I might, I might do something this weekend yeah. that's going <laughs> to so totally wait, mess no, this wait up. Wait a minute. So you're 16 on a, at a dealer lot getting your first car? Yeah, well, I mean, my dad worked at the company, so oh, he had so a decent a lease program. Yep. And okay. They put All down right. the, I was working at the skate shop at the time, so they put down the down payment. And, and then, then you I was, to make the payments. I was making the payments there on you go, it. That's fair. And putting the gas in, and gas was like 98 cents a gallon. No, I remember that. The lowest gas price I ever paid was 97 cents at yeah. an Arco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did that too. I had a Chevron, I think. What was your yeah. lowest? Uh, no, mine was, my lowest was probably 84 cents. Yeah. Yeah. You're quite a bit older than I am. Yeah. So. Well, not that much older. <laughs> not that much older, friend. Yeah, 97. Yeah. So you had been in and around apparel, and your father was an entrepreneur, and your mother was helping out, getting this thing going, yeah. and that was that was Curb, or that was Manual that was, Gearbox? That was always Curb, okay. and um, we actually got into a big trademark thing, too, with Curb Records. Yeah, Curb Records is a- uh, They sponsor a lot of uh, race cars and stuff. Tim McGraw, and um, anyway, we get a, you know, they basically- we get we had, I think, won the trademark, but then they were contesting it, and um, they kind of came after us. And luckily, my mom was working as an admin at a financial advisor or something, and they knew a good trademark attorney. Oh wow, nice! And they were basically saying, "Yeah, this is basic. This is classic, like David and Goliath. They're gonna what they're gonna do is bury you in paperwork. You're not gonna be able to afford to do it. So, but you know, we kind of like cases like this, so we'll we'll help you out." And it just went on forever, um, but we ended up winning it, 
and then uh, had they had they never filed for apparel because it's a very different class. Yeah, you have to. Well, they I think that they thought that they had, but what they couldn't do is present a the evi- trail of having used. Oh, it, they, right? they didn't have a they, specimen. They didn't have a specimen, okay. so they couldn't show that they had used it, and so that's why we won it for apparel. Um, oh, nice. Okay. It was unfortunate. I mean, we I we would have probably been happy to settle or just do something else, but we're fighters, I guess, and <laughs> you pick a fight and it's like, well, no, like we're not just going to go away. Um, but that being said, it really took a lot of steam out of the situation because we never we didn't even know if we had a company or not, right? So like we weren't giving it all our all because we didn't know if we were just going to have to stop doing it at least under that name and um so uh, then, you know, there was just all kinds of stuff going on and the company was just kind of like floating along and um, doing okay and we'd get busy and it would really die out and then somebody, things would slow down so you'd pick it back up. And um, But we were pretty much like ready to shut it down because it was just, we'd been doing it for so long and it wasn't really going anywhere. And then um, Petrolicious, which is like a kind of more like a vintage car website. Yeah, yeah I love Petrolicious. They put one of our T-shirts on there, and it it was like we sold quite a few, and it was like, okay, well, this is how this kind of works. And throughout the whole time, you got to get press. Yeah, I mean, you got to be on Justin Bieber, or you ain't anybody, right? <laughs> and the um the business like of marketing your own products had we had already seen it evolve a ton between when we started and then, and even since then and now, it's insane. Like what I mean, that you brought up, you see my ads everywhere. It's like, yeah. dude, they're all over the place. It's also yeah. social media and tastemakers. So you got to go to influencers, YouTube, yep. you know, whoever the new, Podcasts. Con- whoever the new, Podcasts. yeah, podcasts, like, whoever the new Kanye <laughs> is or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, but the cool thing is, and where we've been successful is just targeted ads on Facebook. You know, it's very cost effective to reach, you know, people like gearheads, right? Yeah. So um, I wouldn't know. Yeah, as he as he pulls his shirt down over his man boobs, so I can see the uh, the logo on his left breast. Yeah. So that kind of reinvigorated things a little bit, and then we uh, somebody had come up to me at one point and been like, "Hey, you guys need to start doing some more generic stuff because you know, I'm not. I'd love to buy one of your shirts, but I don't own any of the cars that you're using in the art. So like, I'm not going to wear." shirt like that so that's what kind of got me thinking about like well what's some kind of like cool logos you could come up with and um you know there was just a lot of it was kind of the beginning of there being a lot of talk about manual gearboxes going away and um car and driver around that time it kind of started there yeah save the 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 manual was like taken off and i thought that was really cool and and then uh i there's a Kinks record called the Village Green Preservation Society that I always really liked, and I just thought that was kind of a funny name. And so, the the whole thing started like I don't like saying that it was a joke because it's but not it just a was joke. you just weren't it taking was, it very seriously. Yeah, you were it was just doing it. Well, it you was, were doing it because it amused you. Yeah, and it, and you thought, hey, if it's cool, it's cool. Yeah, but it sort of kind of got a life of its own. I'm assuming. Yeah, and I never. I just kind of. It was it was tongue in cheek and it was just meant to be a cool graphic and it's like yeah hopefully you know we'll sell some shirts. Did you good. start with shirts or stickers? Like how what was t-shirts. the original? T-shirts. It was a okay. t-shirt, similar design, but it's evolved a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then one day I get a call, and that was 2014 is when you started this process. Yeah, about 2014 I would say because I was still working on, I was still in the SRT studio doing. Um, racing. Stuff. By the way, we didn't cover it, and I don't want to. I'll go back really quick before we go too far. You finished at Ford in 2018, so there was a, a period of time you left FCA in 2016. What did you do at Ford? What was those? What were those two so, years like? 
I left. Um, I kind of we got to the end of JL, and I was just looking at my career, what I'd accomplished so far, and what I wanted to do with the rest of my career. And I was kind of looking around, and I just felt like um, at the time there wasn't many. I felt like, man, I'm in the prime. I'm in my prime yeah. right now. How old were you at this point in the story? Uh. Probably 34, 35. Okay. Or maybe 33. I don't know. Um, so I kind of felt like, man, this is my, because I wasn't in leadership yet. I wasn't a manager. I was still a working designer. And I'm like, this isn't a time for me to kind of kick back. Like, I got to get on a really big project and do something significant while I'm still working that's going to kind of carry me to the next thing. And I was looking around and at FCA at the time, I just didn't really see what that project was going to be. There's definitely projects going on, but they already had people attached to them. Um, and I just kind of felt like, man, I can hang out here and have fun with my friends or I can take a jump. And uh, Ford, Ford had kind of been in my ear about coming over to do some, one thing in particular. Um, and I was definitely very interested in it. And so I hopped over there can you tell us what that one thing is? No. Or is it um, oh, under? Oh, no. You know, so it's. Embargo. It's embargo. Yeah. It's, em- it's embargoed. We yeah. can't talk about it. I should be careful what I talk about. But. Um, <laughs> By the yeah. way, I'm always careful. Well, that wait a minute. Ever, so wait a minute. I can never talk about anything. Wait, wait. So, so, Alan, are you saying that what you worked on those years ago is still not out in the marketplace yet? Oh, there's tons of stuff I've done that nobody will ever see and probably a good thing. And there's great stuff that I've worked on that nobody will ever see. And that's a bummer. But so, um, so the inside joke is because I go and see a lot of things early and get yep. to hang out with you guys years before the stuff. Yep. I can never talk about it. So yep. we'll have listeners emailing us. Hey, what about this? And then I'm like, embargo. I can't talk about it. Well, so. what gets really tricky is when you live in the environment where all that stuff is going on and you're just used to talking about it yeah, and then yeah. you find yourself out in the yeah. wild and you're like whoa i can't say well, and that it's, it's hard too because i mean my my whole career has been around telling people about stuff yeah. right and so then the next minute i'm in a design studio and i, I saw jl two years before it came out and mm-hmm. at the time they said uh that rick payway and i were the so i saw the silver buck yeah the carbon buck that that the was the full scale with the, from the dealer announcement the i think so it was, yeah. it was the silver four door with the red interior yeah so I saw that buck, and that's what we walked in. And then we then we had cutaways and chassis without bodies on it to show mm-hmm. us the drivetrain and stuff. And so at the time, it was engineering, it was design, it was management, and everybody's taking notes. And so we had seen it literally two years ahead, and they said, this is the earliest we've ever had a non-FCA employee see what we have going mm-hmm. on. And so, like, I've seen JL for years now, yep. and people are just like, you know, and the thing about JL is I still appreciate some things about it where to me, a good design is a couple of things. It's one where you want to pick the car up and play in a sandbox. Yep. Uh, proportions are right. It looks like a Hot Wheel or whatever. The other thing is, it's interesting enough where over time you pick up new things about it. Yep. And one of the things I like about JL in particular is the kink in the grill. It kind of mm-hmm. mimics, you know, was it YJ and, yep. and whatnot. Yep. But also the way the, the indentation of the body stamping carries through asymmetrically in the rear tailgate where the pull mm-hmm. handle is yep. and, and the way the hinges are. And and JK sort of messed that up a little bit. There's some funky proportions on JK. There's certain lines that don't line up really well that yeah. that you guys fixed. And the uh, on the JL, um, the hinges are exposed on the tailgate. They're not on the JK. There's a plastic yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah. But the door hinges are exposed and the yeah. hood hinges are exposed. So it's like all made right on the JL. So when I saw that buck for the first time, it was like you guys fixed all these little things. It, it doesn't look like a, a huge leap. 
but it's such a more cohesive design than than JK yeah. is. And that's partly Mark Allen just being I mean Mark. Mark, Mark is a really good designer like doesn't matter what it is if it's a car or a truck whatever um but then on top of that he's just a, he gets Jeep yeah. and he he knows what makes a Wrangler a Wrangler probably maybe better than anybody. anybody I would agree with that. Um and then that paired with the designer that really did the bulk of that project Steve Goodrich you know a project like that takes a lot of tenacity to there's just so much detail yeah and it's easy to fall into retro but it's not retro because it's an unbroken chain of evolutionary design from the original so it's easy for somebody that doesn't know the history of the brand easy oh you're just trying to reignite the past but that's not wrangler wrangler is a fully modern interpretation because it's an unbroken chain yeah it's not a volkswagen beetle when i came into the studio and the design was pretty was really far along um and the detail behind the front fender i was looking at the car and i'm like man you know, as a designer, you're always kind of looking at how much stuff can you take off yeah. to simplify it, uh, but still get the point across. And I was looking at it like, man, why is that even there? If like you could take that thing off this car and it, it just wouldn't, is it wouldn't the, miss it. Is it the fender vent? The fender vent. And and is it the, for me, it's the fender vent and the LED lights and the fenders. Because I always thought that those that that was the only fussiness in that design, and yeah. I told Mark early on, it, he goes, "It'll be okay," because you know yeah. how Mark is, right? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've challenged him on some stuff, and he just looks at me, he goes, "It'll be fine," yeah. right? And I've I've seen spy photos of stuff, and I've texted him, and I'm like, "Dude, what is he?" Like, It'll be fine, yeah. right? And that's yeah. a tip, that's your your classic Mark Allen, but yeah. those were the things that were fussy for me. It was sort of like that fender vent could have been functional and worked because of how narrow the engine compartment is, but it's not. And then the LED light that's in the flare yeah. just looks out of place to me. But what's cool is that that fender vent is actually a huge nod to the willies because the way that the willies goes together, the body side panel yep. kind of tucks in. Yep. And but the hood on a shape, flat fender. Yeah. And but the hood shape doesn't care. It just keeps going straight. Yeah. So you end up with this undercut there. And so the whole thing was kind of like, you know, we want to He explained that to me and then I became okay with it. But again, same, it goes back same here, you, know? you have to understand the the evolution and yeah. so the other thing was Taking the marker lights out of the grill simplifies the mm-hmm. grill, moving them to the fender, yep. and goes back to a more pure Jeep face, yep. right? And so we walked through that, and then Mark, you know, he had to kind of sell me on it. But that was, you know, I, I totally get what it's like when you're on the inside. And then I think it's probably even maybe a little, I don't know if it's weird for you guys or special or what the hell are these guys doing here, but it's sort of interesting because I've been on programs where I've seen things early and the designers are really young. Yeah. And maybe it's a vehicle that has been out for a long time, but they they don't they've never experienced it and they don't understand the road presence. And so the vehicle that I see looks like a computer modeling and they're looking like video games and it doesn't have the organic human touch that it needs to have. And I've seen that scale of it, but I've also seen really mature things that that I was really impressed with that faded very fast. And I always always wonder like when we come in and we get to do these things, I'm I'm in a studio or or seeing a product early, if, if you guys are sitting there going, who gives an F what it, what he thinks, right? Or is it you want validation because you've been in the echo chamber in the fishbowl for so long, it's nice to have somebody from the outside say, yes, this is the right direction. Good job, you guys. 
Uh, Are you asking if he likes or needs or doesn't care about validation from a magazine editor? An outsider, not a magazine editor per se, but the fact that there there are those relationships that companies have with certain individuals, not always magazine guys, but trusted individuals in the industry that they'll bring in under an NDA early to see a product and give the designer engineering teams feedback so that they can adjust before those things are locked in. And I guess my question is, is it validation for you guys when... That person comes in and says, yeah, good job. Or do you feel like that's somebody on the outside who doesn't get you kind of pissing on your your turf? It, uh, I think, you know, w- one of the big challenges of being a designer, period, especially in, in the automotive environment, because it's so many people involved, that one of the mo- biggest challenges is processing all the opinions and then distilling that down. You want to have the Homer car, right? Like, yeah, definitely. You don't want the Homer car. And then, you know, you've got your personal feeling, which honestly, your personal feelings are usually the first thing that you want to try to put aside because unless you're, you know, the guy that is the guy that buys that car, most of the time you're designing a car for somebody else. So you have to figure out, you have to learn how to put your opinion aside. Same thing in journalism. You can't always approach a review from what you think. You have to approach a review from who the intended buyer is. And I think there's a lot of people today, especially in the world of self-publishing, where you don't work for an outlet or a magazine, you don't have like a professional background, you're just doing your review. and Just a blogger. Joe's opinion, right? And the reality is, is that part of professionalism of this, of this, you know, job is that you have to take yourself out of your own shoes and understand who the end user is. Like, I would review a minivan completely differently for myself than I would from the standpoint of my wife and two kids and and who the primary driver is. I can't go in and go, well, this thing, yeah, it's got a lot of space. I can sleep in the back of it, but it sucks because it's a minivan. No, I'm not the intended buyer of that, right? And that's a hard thing to do. I I would imagine it's a hard thing to do for journalism. I'd imagine it's a hard thing to do for design as well. Yeah, and then I think the other big one is kind of when – you're catching criticism for things that are the way they are because of technical reasons or um, just things that are totally out of your control. But you know, uh, one of the, the main thing that you learn at design school is how to take a lot of criticism and process it and and figure out what to do with it. All the opinions kind of come in, and you do what you want with them. Um, at the end of the day, you're chasing the opinion of the guy that's going to pick your design, yeah. right? So that. Um, that's usually where I put my focus. But so so fast forward back to the the launch of the manual gearbox preservation society. Yeah. And so I had pretty much kind of just moved into the Jeep studio. I think at that time, and the Jeep studio, uh, Mark had Mark likes to basically put create a certain atmosphere, and you're either going to thrive or you're not. And um, luckily, I like you know talking smack and doing, you know, getting involved in pranks and things. So I, I you did fit a, right in. Yeah, I did. Okay. But so I get this email, um, from a journalist at the wall street journal and I'm like, well, oh, that's okay. Who's doing this? Cause I, I had just sold a car on Craigslist and like, I had to take it off Craigslist at one point. What, what, what was it? It was a Fiat 500, but, um, I was getting, uh, I mean, the guys were just sending me all these fake, like, Oh, I want to check out this car. And I couldn't tell if it was a real inquiry or not, and so I was. So your coworkers all knew you were selling this Fiat. Yeah, and And so why did you have a Fiat five hundred? Because I could afford it. Okay, okay. (laughs) 
Why do you have a mini for the same reason? <laughs> I, I don't know. Fiat 500 is not cool. I don't know. Wait, he's a you, cool guy. I know he's a cool guy, but wait a minute. You're, I really you're a, like that car, You're actually. a cool guy, but you drive a mini. Uh, the, my mini is red. Have you seen it? Well. It's lowered with big wheels, and yeah. it looks bitching. I wouldn't drive a stock mini at all, ever. I like small cars that you know are fun to drive, and it. My my only thing was, my wife and I we had this, we had just moved back from Montreal and we didn't have a car there, so we had to get a car and we got this Jetta, this used Jetta. And I was like, I hated this car so much. It was just like <laughs> the, boring. It was right? basically just, and I had had a, a VR6 Jetta when I was in school, which I, were cool, which was cool, yeah, and yeah. I liked. Yeah. And so we got this Jetta, and I just it was like, wow, this is. This is the automotive equivalent of a refrigerator. Yeah, it's an appliance. And it, I found it, it was just so depressing. So I said to my wife, like, look, she wanted a new car too. So I'm like, look, we, we, and we wanted a new car because we just couldn't handle like reliability problems and stuff like that. It was just like, look, we just need to get a new car. And my wife's like, and I want Bluetooth. And I'm like, and I want a manual. (laughs) So what can we afford that's a new car with Bluetooth? And comes in a manual, and it was and there you go. Turned out to be a okay. five hundred. Right. So that's how we ended up with that car. Okay, so you go to sell it, you get in all these prank emails. Yeah, they're saying I'm interested in your car. And, and they start really. out. They kind of start out like sort of funny, and then I would respond, and then it would be like a ten email chain of just like, and I like I can't quite figure out if this is a joke <laughs> or not. So then it just turned into this barrage, and I had to take it offline and relist it secretly and. <laughs> um, so anyway, the, this journalist wants to talk, and I'm like, great, another prank, but I can't let this one <laughs> slip by, so i got to at least talk to this guy. So um, so I ended up doing like three phone interviews with the Wall Street Journal, and on the third one, I'm thinking to myself, man- Why, like, why three? Why? I don't know. Lots of follow-up questions and- What the yeah. hell? Okay. So- Now he's calling you um, because you work at the design studio? No. So when I created my, my t-shirt for my fake club, I made a fake- Facebook page just because I thought, <laughs> well, I might as well just in case someone checks, right? So, and by the way, your Facebook page has like almost a hundred thousand people on it, right? Now it does, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. at this oh point, God. when the Wall Street Journal called, it had seven or either seven or seventeen followers, and um, he calls me up, and we had some really good conversations. We were just talking about like this guy fo- finds you based on your Facebook group or your Facebook page, yeah, seventeen followers, yeah. Why he bothered to email me? I've well, got no how did idea. He even, how did he even find it? Because it's not being searched through his friends. I, that's no bizarre. Idea. Yeah. Okay. So we get to this third interview, and I'm thinking, like, man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come off like a total crackpot. This is, this is gonna be bad. The guys are gonna see it. I'm never gonna hear the end of it. So I was like, really kind of embarrassed about this whole thing. Eighty-nine thousand followers right now. On, Dear Lord. On and the, uh, on that I page. mean, congrats. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Right. So I'm like, I was traveling to England, and. Uh, I get a call from the journalist. He's like, hey, um, you should get a newspaper today. I'm like, okay. Um, and So they're at Detroit Airport. you got a Wall Street Journal store right there. So I walk to the Wall Street Journal store, and I grab a paper. And, you know, you like you pick up a paper, and you look at the top fold, and then you flip it over. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so there I see at the, the bottom fold of the Wall Street Journal is this article about manual gearboxes. And then I'm like, wait a minute. The first two words in the article were my name. Oh my God. Like, no way. Yeah. Um, so then I'm like, well, this is nuts. And then I, so we get on a plane and I think the plane landed in England and I had gone from 17 or seven to like 7,000 followers just off that article. 
Uh, how long? You're talking wow. about in your plane ride over? Yeah. So oh my gosh. In your plane ride over, you gained seven thousand followers. I wonder. I wish I knew like what number I was on there. That'd be kind of fun. What was the content on the page at the time? Was it just two placeholder Very, posts? Yeah. Save the damn manuals. Was, was, it, was, <laughs> was it sparse? I can't remember because I don't think I was doing much content at that time because it wasn't. That wasn't the. People were joining because they were hoping in the future there something would, be good would happen. Content. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't. Not even content. I, I think people think... just want to feel like there's like-minded yeah. souls out there. I don't right? think that there was much content because I didn't figure out that I needed to be doing content. You just had a page until way later. I just had it. It was just there. <laughs> I honestly can't tell you what was on That's it. I think really I very funny. interesting. I so probably you... did the bare minimum. By the way, that there Facebook requires. the page is at the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society of Facebook. Okay. Yeah, and and it, uh, Instagram. We're I think I'm most active on Instagram right now at, at TMGPS. Where does it go from here? Now you're in England and you've got seven thousand followers yeah. all of a sudden. And then probably some orders started coming in, and we we're probably panicking because we try to get our orders out like same like we pack them the same day they come in, and we ship them the next day. So we're like, oh crap! Like, got all these orders coming in. What are we gonna do? Um, and you have no shirts at this point. No, we had shirts. Oh, you did? Yeah, we used to print like, I don't know. A couple dozen at a time or yeah, something? Yeah, something okay. like that. Yep. Not much. And um, so, yeah, I was doing pretty good. And we're like, we had, because I was working on um, a lot of race car stuff and we were doing all the SEMA builds and I made the mistake of learning how to use the vinyl cutter at work. Oh, and, you start <laughs> making right? stickers. So then I become what everybody affectionately likes to call the sticker bitch and yeah. so it's like somebody needs a sticker well macy's the sticker bitch like get he'll do it for you so i got pretty good on the vinyl cutter and um and so i'm like giant well, one or a little rolling gx24 so the one that we had at work was huge okay but i bought my dad for christmas the little um sticker eight it's oh, like a the like sticker a, eight it's a tiny little one and we did all the tmgps decals on that tiny little thing for years. We need new stickers. Can we buy that off of you? Yeah. <laughs> I got some in the box right there. Oh, perfect. Um, so, uh, no, he, do you want me he, to make he, custom no, stickers? He means we need stickers yeah. for the truck yeah. podcast. We need some slap stickers. So we finally this year just got a 24-inch nice rolling one. That nice. It, and we're like, That is the what? best. That is a workhorse. It's yeah. the gray one, and it's we're, badass. That we're just GX like, what rad. have we been doing all this time with this crappy vinyl cutter? Yeah. Can you divulge how many shirts you've sold today? Do you have any idea? Uh, quite a few, but the decals are pretty much are quite a bit more impressive. I mean, it's um, is it more than it's more than a thousand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Think, yeah, a lot more than that. Okay. Do you see what your demographic is? Because I'm curious. Yeah. As as kids are growing up now, yep. with automatic transmissions and less man. So so when I hire somebody at the magazine, the first question I ask I ask is always, "Can you drive a stick?" Sure. Because in my opinion, you can't be a true and. and at Truck Show Podcast or truckshowpodcast at gmail.com if you think I'm wrong. I personally feel like you can't be a real automotive enthusiast if you don't drive stick. Because there's something about the man-machine interface that teaches you, well, you get taught multitasking because you can't have a, a Wiener Schnitzel chili dog and a you know big gulp and shift at the same time unless you're really good, right? right. Yep. Uh, it teaches you vehicle dynamics. It teaches you how engine operations, drivetrain, engine braking, all those things. And I think that if you can, if you just say, "Oh, I'm an automotive enthusiast," but you've never truly experienced a clutch pedal, you kind of aren't. And I don't want anybody on my staff to be embarrassed when we have a manual come through here and be like, "Oh, I, I don't know what to do." So that's a, that's a question. And so I'm always curious: Do you see younger people still excited about manual transmissions? 
Yeah, so a couple things there. I mean, I think um, uh, yes. So just to answer that, get that out of the way. But I I don't like to – I really – with Team GPS in particular, because a lot of people – the the cynical like negative approach to Team GPS people come and be like oh you guys are like holier than thou and gate there's like this gatekeeping term it's really it, it's kind of dumb and I'm just kind of like man like what are we doing that to makes you give mad. off that impression yeah, right. so I always kind of go out of my way to be like look I'm not gonna I'm not the judge of who's a car guy and who's not like well you know you know what it is no no it's 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 in the title so it's in the, it's in the verbiage you've you, the, with the preservation society that whole thing the is the connotation a, well the preservation society is a bunch of old ladies sitting around drinking sure. tea going we need to keep this yes. alive because and that's kind of what but I love that it, I love right. that about it right you that's know? what honestly it's the logo and that verbiage that drew me to your brand for the first time and when I saw that I'm like that's so me. Like I feel like I'm an old guy with my cane shaking at the neighbor kids who doesn't want to let go of my my manual transmission. I yep. just that's I I love driving stick. Holman actually have shooed young people off of his lawn and said, "Get off my lawn." That's like, actually he's true. actually said, I "Get off actually my lawn that. before." I mean, and it's going to happen, right? <laughs> if you got get a lawn. You got a lawn, so you're going to have to tell get somebody off, to get off it at some point. By the way, the, my Wi-Fi when you drive past my house is get off my lawn. So right. you make you clown me, and then <laughs> Wait, that's I think the name I of your Wi-Fi. Your house the other day. Was I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So what's funny is, were you in Long Beach? Uh, I was in Long Beach the other day, but no, oh, I'm, I was making a joke. Okay. But, <laughs> so what's funny is, I got that because he said it, and I thought it was funny, and I renamed mine based on his quote. But um, do you guys remember the meme? That has a manual transmission. It says millennial anti-theft device. Yeah, I hate that meme. You know what's funny about you, that do meme? Do you really hate it? I do. But hold on. Let me let me just remind you which one it is. Can I show you guys something about this? What's in the lower right corner? The lower right corner is... It's the four-wheeler logo. Oh, it's the four-wheeler logo. I took that picture. Oh, no way. Somebody ripped meme, off dude. my picture and made a meme out of a picture they stole. That was Project Con Artist, which was our dollar JK that we got in 2000 and uh, was it seven? Um, and so that was our that was our project vehicle Jeep that I had was doing pictures of. That was online. Somebody ripped it off and made a meme. So anybody out there who has ever seen the Jeep JK manual transmission lever that says Millennial Anti Theft Device in the lower right corner underneath that, you'll see the four wheeler watermark. That's my photo, and I always crack up because people will send this to me. Because they know I'm a manual guy. And they're like, hey, look at this. I'm like, I, uh, I shot the photo. So, <laughs> so now, anyway, funny so story. So, Alan, uh, let, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So you said that you don't like that meme. You don't appreciate people calling out millennials for not like what, what What's behind that? Because what I notice is that it tends to be, you know, older people, let's call them boomers or whatever, that make that comment. And my perspective on the whole thing is like, well, what the reason that young people – don't drive manuals is because there wasn't one in the driveway to learn on, right? Sure. So like the, the only reason that I learned to drive a manual is because my dad had a Miata and that was the car that my mom taught Although, me how to drive in. My parents, my dad's, his last stick was a 1979 Honda, uh, I think it was an Accord CVCC. And so it was long gone when I started driving. So my parents never had manuals. Right. Where I learned manual was um, at scout camp. We had a big, we call it, I think, the ghost dump because it was an old Navy dump truck. Two Boy Scout and, references in one yeah, show. Yeah, right? it's a bit well, much. I, I, work, I work summer camps at a right. camp called Lost Valley out in uh, in Southern California. And uh, so I kind oh of- Oh, my God. Yeah. You went, is, you've went. you never said the name until this show. Yeah. Lost Valley I w- Scout Reservation. I, I, I went to Lost Valley. Yeah. Well, I was there many, many, what many the, years. What? Yeah, this is check crazy. Ooh, weird. 
Um, did you ever go to Crystal Cove in, in Catalina? Did you ever? Did you? Do, I never went to Catalina. Did you do Philmont in New Mexico? I never had a chance to do Philmont. Uh, I, I, Amazing. Yeah, I, I raged Philmont. That was so, great. So anyway, there's things to drive there, and so you, you know you'd watch people, and and I was you know I was 13, 14, 15, 16 when I was there, 17 maybe, and uh, and so I, I watched, and you drive, you know, but my I think I've to- told the story on the show. I didn't really know how to drive stick. I knew how it worked, and I was 16 or 17 years old in Norm Reeves Honda Superstore in Huntington Beach. Um, I would go in there because I realized that on Saturdays for my Honda Accord, I could get parts for the employee discount if I brought the Saturday guy's donuts. So whenever I needed parts, I would buy them on Saturday when the parts manager was gone, bring the guy's donuts, and they'd give me their employee discount. And then so I could afford to get whatever for my Honda. And at one point, I was in there so much, like, hey, dude, we got a parts driver opening. You should just apply and come work for us. I'm like, oh, okay. So I did all that, and I got my driver's record. I had a meeting with the, the, the GM, and they hired me, whatever. Funny story is we were on Kevin and Bean, which was his old radio show when I was anyway, with. That's a whole other thing. But it's just so funny how these little intersections. The first day I show up, a guy hands me a clipboard. All the parts are in the bed of the truck. 1989 or 1990 Toyota, base model, vinyl seat, manual, no right mirror, no air conditioning, no clock, right? And they said, do not speed, but time is of the essence. Here you go. And I rode the clutch out of the warehouse, made a right turn on Beach Boulevard in Huntington Beach, California. I did a one-wheel burnout on my very first day, <laughs> leaving the driveway down Beach Boulevard in front of all the salespeople who were trying to sell cars because I was trying desperately not to stall it. Yeah. Taught myself to drive stick that day. And they, when I came back, they're like, you can't be doing burnouts. What was that? I'm like, oh, I'm just not used to the clutch, which is sort of true. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how I learned how to drive stick because I was a car guy and I felt like I couldn't have the full experience. And so when they asked me if I knew how to drive stick, I was like, hell yeah, I do. And then I was like, uh-oh. Right. <laughs> right? So I, was I was a lot like Alan where my father had, he was big into vintage cars and he was fortunate enough to be successful and, and buy a couple. And so he had a, 60, a fully restored 63 Austin Healey convertible, nice. a Mark III with a, yeah. So uh, the, the, I think it was a straight six in that car. Yeah. And, and it had no synchro in first. So I had a double clutch oh, to yeah. get to back. If I was still rolling, I had a double clutch to get back in first. Yeah. And I thought all cars were like that. So I started driving other cars that were sticking. I had to double clutch them yeah. and whatnot. Didn't, and it had a uh, hydraulic clutch. So you never knew what it was going to take. Yeah. It was always a guessing game. Every single shift was a guessing game. But it, that car hauled ass and it was a convertible. It was fun. And, um, but I, I can appreciate it. But looking back on it, I don't remember that we had another manual. My first car was a manual. It was a Honda Accord, a hatchback in 80, 84, I want to say. 84. And, Quad headlights. Uh, yes, it was. Yep. And so I, I, I wanted, because of that Austin Hill experience, I wanted a manual. So I, I couldn't, it was hard actually to find one. Yep. They were all automatic and they were gutless automatic. Well, well, and going back to Hondas and learning on Hondas, at that time in the, I would say, late 80s to probably the early 2000s, there was not a better manual transmission to mass-produced car. The lightness of the clutch pedal and the shortness of the throws, you could literally shift a Honda with two fingers. It was like snick, 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 snick. The better, Very the precise. best one ever made was the CRX. The CRX was amazing. The CRX was So light fantastic. that I had difficulty getting used to it because yeah. you would, the whole car would jerk back well, and forth because you would like on and off. When I got out of high school, I worked at a mom and dad uh, Porsche Mercedes automotive shop that's in Huntington Beach called Auto Works. It's still there. And so I was first time I was exposed to all sorts of cars. At the time, the most expensive car I ever drove was a Porsche 928. was blue, white, leather interior. It was a custom interior color, custom exterior color that was Germany pickup delivery at the factory. Drove it in Europe and then brought it back to the States. And this was one of our, our regular customers. Five liter delivery cam V8 with a stick. 
and that car was cool. And then all the 911s, and that's a whole different experience with the transaxle and the engine hanging out. It's like, you know, and the dump truck clutch on those things. The most scared I ever was driving a stick in my early days was, if you remember the, uh, I believe it was the E34 BMW M, um, let's see, it would be the uh, the M3, the first time it came over. So in Europe, it was 300 horse. In the US, it was 240 horse. And it was a six-speed manual, and we had a customer who bought one of the very first ones. And so I had to go take it for a test drive. And I had never been in a car where it revved so fast. It hit the fuel cutoff before I had a chance to shift a second. Scared the shit out of me because that thing was so – beautiful car, beautiful handling car. But not the light snick-snick of the Honda, but the precision and sort of you know a gated feel of the German stuff. And then I had a chance to drive some really exotic stuff, I guess uh, – a Ferrari with the real metal gated shift from Lamborghini at the time. And it was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, and then a, I had a Willys 51 Willys CJ3A. That thing was cool. I just, and I just love the manual. Like I just yeah. got exposed to so many because I had such an odd path that I, I, it was just always something I loved about cars. I want to go back to the Wall Street Journal thing for a second. Sure. What did the guy ask you? Did he, did, because this oh, guy, w- w- well, was, I know it's 300 reviews, so I don't want to do the whole thing, but yeah. I, my suspicion is that he saw it. He also believed in manual transmissions. They're going away, and he needed an excuse to talk about the subject matter. True or not? Yeah, I mean, I think that his article was probably based off some statistics that he was seeing, and then he was looking for, like, color, right? He was looking for stories to go around it. So he was asking me a lot of, you know, just stuff about why I felt it was important and what... um, and he had no idea that you were in the automotive industry, I assume, at the time he called, not, right? Uh, not when he called, but you know, we established that pretty quickly, I'm sure. I love the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society, and I noticed that there's a uh, there's a cardboard box over here. There is. Um, I did not notice that. I thought that was cables from Amazon that we needed. Uh, no, those are coming next week. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it has a nice curb sticker on okay. it. Should we open it up? Yeah. I Should would I like go, to see yeah, what's inside. Use the pen to uh, slice that so we don't, we don't have a knife. Don't just rip it. Okay, rip it. Fine. Okay. What do you have in here? So uh, he's opening this up, right. and I see. Okay, so I'm going to say uh, Muncie Rock Crusher. Yep. Transmission, four-speed sticker. That's Love just that. badass because it's freaking a Rock Crusher. By the way, Rock Crusher was the name of your Silverado project, but the real Rock Crusher, the transmission, I believe because it it made such a loud bang when you shifted, it sounded like you were crushing, crushing rock. rocks. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, mine was ROQ for KROQ. That was the Rock Crusher. Nice. All right. And then this one is a six speed with the reverse up and to the left. left. Is that a new JL? That's JL and Mini. So I heard somebody's how got a funny mini around yeah, here. Nice. Yeah. So how funny is that? So the JL and the Mini have the same, <laughs> look at that, high, high five. five. <laughs> they have the same gear pattern. Okay. So oh, that's I didn't know. Oh, check this out. We got some leather uh, key fobs. Oh, I can. Very cool. Are there two? Please say there are two. Please say there, there are two. Please. There, okay. there are. Yeah, there okay. are. Okay. And then a, uh, looks like some shirts. Oh, now you can replace your Rotiform uh, license plate frame because you have official... Manual Gearbox Preservation Society license plate frame. Oh, snap. Dude, Look I at love that. It. All right, all right, Dude, right. Alan, thank you for the gifts. Yeah. And a couple shirts here. Um, extra medium for both of us? Yeah, extra, extra medium. medium. Okay, perfect. Uh, no, it's extra, extra medium. Extra, extra <laughs> yeah. medium. Exactly. Two sizes uh, looks like the same. It looks like we've got a, uh, looks I don't like think... a, the Mini and the JL. So yeah, here, I'm gonna, okay. I usually steal your shirt because you usually don't like R- them, but right? I know you like this one. All right, yeah. Ooh, ooh I'm, I'm digging this. The, and Thanks, then, brother. You printed yeah. inside the neck, the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society. Register. 
registered trademark mother effers right there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how you get your trademark. You got to print it inside yes, you the do. neck. I know that yeah. well. I own a few. Uh, dude, I'm very familiar you. with the USPTO.gov. This is, dude. Alan, congratulations. Thank I have you. a feeling that we could spend a lot more time with you because you've got a lot more design stories, and I have a feeling that you're not done creating yet. Yeah, we're still very active. and I, I'm kind of going through this weird period where I'm like, people ask me what I do, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, because, you know, I, I want to say I'm a former car designer that's running a business now, or I, I don't know. I, we're, I mean, I, you're a designer. Well, wait, is, designer. It, is this full time? So, it is now as of a no, year ago. No, shut the front door. Yeah. So we, um, my wife and I, last, not this Christmas, it just went past. We were out here. We were living in Detroit. And, you know, we, we like graduated school with a lot of student loan debt, kind of a bad time. But we had put our head down. We'd bought this house at the right time. And there or here? In Detroit. Okay. And uh, we re- we kind of remodeled it and right before the Renaissance, right? I mean, Detroit yeah. is exploding right yeah, now. Yeah, so we were doing, in a good way. We'd done pretty well on our house, and um, both of us were kind of at a. I had kind of jumped over to Ford, and I wasn't um, super happy, and and we were kind of like using all of our vacation time to come out here and see our parents, and I was super passionate about my uh, about Team GPS and Curb, and. Um, so we kind of said, well, let's sit down and like look at our finances and see what we can make happen. And basically we figured out like, shoot, we could sell our house and pay off all our debt and um, come out here and live with our parents for a year and kind of find our feet and um, see if we can make it work. And so we thought that that process would take about a year to sell the house and the house sold like immediately. Wow. Um, Did you have a bidding war? Not exactly. There probably should have been one, but we, what happened was I was- You were so <laughs> excited to take the first high offer. <laughs> well, we no, can get this we, much? The house never went on the market because oh. basically we, uh, I was in a disagreement with our realtor about the value of the house. And so we agreed to do like a, a, um, a broker's open. Oh, interesting. To kind of like- Settle the score. Just to kind of see what the vibe was about the price. And then if we wanted to change it, that didn't have to be public information. So sure enough, the house sells at the broker's open. And like when we closed, I remember my realtor turning to the other realtor and being like, oh man, there's so many people that are unhappy that they didn't get a chance to bid on this house. And I'm sitting there like, damn it, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So you heard the sad clown horn in the background. I'm like, thanks dude. Um, No, I mean, he he was a good realtor. He did fine. But so um, we get out here and we're all like ready to, you know, it picking up, selling all your stuff and picking up and moving across the country is not a small deal. It, it, I, it didn't really sink into me about what we had just done for months. Um, but also what I found out we had done was I got my wife pregnant like immediately when uh, we got out here. <laughs> um, Those so, are happy, uh, happy times. <laughs> yeah. So it, I mean, we're obviously, we were, we are and we're, super happy but at the same time it's like wait a minute this wasn't the plan at all never is she was meant to come out here and be like the breadwinner while i'm running my business but she can't she's like trying to go to job interviews and having to run to the bathroom and throw up (laughs) um so we got off to a pretty rocky start um but you know now we got a three-month-old baby and and she's got a great job and so everything's kind of moving in the right direction but yeah it's been a it's been a hell of a, a year i'll put it that way 
Um, so it sounds like uh, you're ready for some good news. Nothing bad happened in the last year. It's just, just challenges. It's just been uh, not the plan. Yeah, so. yeah, I get that. <laughs> but it sounds like you're you're l- listen to the stories. You know, you, a lot of the stuff happened where it wasn't really the plan. You just did what you wanted to do, what you believed in, and kind of good followed. I mean, it's yeah. what it sounds with like working for Ralph Giles and working for a lot of goodness yeah. happened where you weren't necessarily expecting it. You just hunkered down. You did what you believed in and good found you. Yeah. I mean, I try to. You did you. I just try to be myself yeah. and um, work hard. And um, I have a lot of bad luck. I got hit by a giant piece of uh a sill trim piece flew off a car on the freeway and nailed my 911 front end oh. on the way up here today. So, like, I got plenty. I've got more than enough bad luck. Um, but you didn't have, just, if you didn't have bad wanna, luck, you wouldn't have any luck at all. I don't want to end the show on this. No, note. no, we got to listen to the happiness. I, I, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, I just try to stay. I just stay focused on the positive stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And and uh, not get not let the bad stuff get you down because it's always. Well, here's be how there. I look at it. Super simple. If you haven't gone through the the, the the challenges and the rough times, you don't know how to appreciate the good ones, right? Uh, yeah, totally. And so yeah. All, all that is is a, a, a reminder to be humble and, you know, it's going to get better because it has to and, and you appreciate those. I think yeah. there's so many people that live in a bubble or or who are coddled or whatever. They never really have a high or a low. They just sort of maintain. And that's not living life. Living life is, is, is you know, walking through crap and and also being as you know high up in the air it's everything it's 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 living and i'd prefer not to walk through crap well i, I, mean, I like yeah, my but... globe shoes and i don't want to ruin them i don't <laughs> yeah. want to call for some more there's something rewarding about overcoming obstacles yes. i think and um i that's one of the great things to me about business is that it can be stressful because you, ha- you have nobody to ask for a pay raise other than yourself to be like well what can i do to make more money now and when you have, you know, I still have days where we hardly sell anything and I'm like, oh my God, like this isn't the way it's meant to be. Like, what am I going to do? And so then it just kind of makes you put your head down and figure out what's going wrong and how you can make it better. And, and that's what you do. Well, I, I can tell you that we appreciate knowing you and uh, I, I've appreciated this and you and I had a little bit of a uh, Instagram back and forth and we yeah. were sort of kind of like, oh, and, that, and that's before cool. you know each other had beards. That's true. Yeah, that totally. is true. Yeah. That is true. And uh, and like I said, I I was uh, obviously am a customer, and I, I love the brand, and so I just thank you on behalf of all the so, manual so, transmission. So here's what everywhere. we're gonna do, Alan. So you're in South County, right? Orange County. Right. Uh, Laguna Niguel. Laguna Niguel. Okay, yep. so right on there. Okay, perfect. So we're going to meet at the Spectrum. We're going to go get some uh, P.F. Chang's or something over there. Sounds awesome. And uh, we're going to have some brews or some sake or something like that. Yeah. When? And uh, soon. All right. We're going to do that soon. You guys can just come to the house if you want. I mean. uh, okay, we'll do that instead. <laughs> What's the... Is it TMG? Where do you want people going? Yeah, where do you want to... So right now we're having a lot of fun on Instagram at TMGPS. Or TMGPS.org. You have a .org? Is it really? Oh, that's like it is yeah, a .org. Yeah, they opened up .org so that you don't actually have to be an organization. Sh- I think it's rad anymore. though. But I got it for because, and I'm partly right now. I'm trying to figure out exactly what this is going to be because it's turned into something way bigger than I ever. It's literally going to be a preservation society it. with an old brick house. Will it be that? And will in a you, museum? Are you going to get a five hundred one three C and start donating money to kids or something? Like what are you well, going to do? There's a lot of the 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 part of it that I don't believe that I can do anything about is keeping manuals in new cars because I think that that's just a free market capitalism sure. thing and probably we're going to be heading the electric route anyway so but you can get kids excited about it right so I think what we can do is give 
young people an opportunity to drive them for the first time. And uh, that's kind of where my heart is at the moment. So I'm trying to figure out how do I make that happen. Um, and then the concept of an actual preservation society where you end up having like a museum with a bunch of like cool cars and maybe a bunch of, you know, you get Tremec to donate a bunch of like center force for the, some like things on the wall yeah, and like <laughs> cutaways and cool, cool, you know, I would totally go to that museum. Hell so, yeah. um, we would be at your grand opening uh, doing a live truck show podcast. That would be like, great, yeah. Your mission statement, by the way. I don't think we read this on the air. I feel like we have to read this because can, can can you give me give me some base on that? I feel like we this is like a, a reading, like a movie guy thing. Some Oh, so you want to an effect? Yeah, give voice? me an effect. Oh. We need, I need deeper oh, okay. and I need uh, – this is really good. The Manual Gearbox Preservation Society. We are the guardians of a dying art. The purveyors of a craft born of necessity, but beloved for its spirit. We travel with purpose regardless of our destination. Every corner an opportunity for the perfect downshift. Every stop a new starting line. We find joy in those fleeting moments between ratios. The crescendo of RPM. The gentle click of the gate. The building inertia in our chest as the drivetrain becomes whole again. We are the masters of our machines. We are the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society! That was good. That was amazing. That was so good. So so basically where that came from was this hang tag. It's on the back of the hang tag. and um. I had the front of the hang tag design, but I didn't know what to put on the back. I'm just gonna drink a bottle of wine and then write like a <laughs> write a manifesto. <laughs> I love it. That's what and, it is. Uh, that's what happened. You know what this show is? This show is worthy of five stars. But hold on, hold three way. Are we gonna we do three way? We're gonna try three way. So okay. you're gonna, so we're gonna this? do is. Oh, let's do this. Let's all. Right, this we, is always we'll easier. Use, we use both hands. <laughs> okay, everybody puts up two hands. Yeah, both hands. Three way, five star. But one, two, three. <laughs> That was challenging. One, two, three. Five stars! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Nailed it. I can't believe how hard that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what she said. <laughs> Holman, you mind if I do some five-star hotline? Not only do I not mind, but I encourage it. Yeah. Oh, come on and be part of the show. Call the five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. It's the five star hotline. Five star hotline. All right. Uh, well, Lightning Holman, I just finished listening to the interview with Jordan, and good thing you guys are on the up and up. But what I wanted to call about is I, in fact, have a Ford tattoo. It's not the Ford logo. <gasps> It's uh, not. It's, it's got a Ford tattoo, wait. and it's not the Ford logo. Uh, it's got to be what's an icon? A Bronco, a Mustang, something where it doesn't have words or script on it. I mm. think. Hmm. It's a Mustang running yeah! three with red, white, and blue bars behind it. And you know, I don't. I don't think I'd shoot a guy for liking Chevy. <laughs> I drive a uh, 2002 Silverado 1500 HD, and I love the truck. You know, I'm a realist. I love my Mustang. You know, they took a secretary car and, you know, put a big engine in it, and it was sketchy and fast. And, <laughs> sketchy. Yeah, it still is. You know, I love Ford trucks. Main reason I drive an O2 Chevy is I couldn't.
Ford, the Ford that I wanted. At least one in good shape. To me, an OBS is the dream. One of my Possibly favorites. Possibly a uh, 0273 with a five-speed would be nice. But mainly, the stuff I want, I can't afford. And I'm a realist. The Chevys are just as good in the long run. There you go, I guess. I think he's pretty Thanks. honest about it. You know what nice. I mean? He's like, yeah. I wanted the Ford, couldn't afford it. So I'm. But although the Chevys are not any less expensive, well, so I'm not sure. Well, you don't know when he bought it. He bought it used in the marketplace where he lives, all that kind of stuff. All right. So I, I get it. And Thanks, by the Mr. Way. Logic. Yeah. <laughs> Lightning and Holman. This is Connor from uh, Washington. Uh, I'm sitting at the truck stop here and I see a older F-150 with a gooseneck or like a fifth wheel trailer. Not unusual, right? Except the fifth wheel trailer is not hitched in the bed of the truck. It is on the ball hitch off like a bumper pole, but a fifth wheel trailer mounted to the bumper pole. What? Not quite That's sure. I wish I could send you a video of it. Maybe I will. Figure you guys might laugh about that. Maybe someone else has seen it. Wow. Just wow. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Just wow. guys. funny. And uh, while I'm here, I might as well leave a five stars. Oh, nice. Hey, five, five stars. stars. Okay, so let's let's clarify here. He's talking about a fifth wheel hitch on the bumper pole. How's that not way too much weight for the bumper pole? Well, it might be a light duty fifth wheel. Okay. Um, where the truck is bigger than what that fifth wheel, because they made a lot of smaller ones for... Uh, you know, like Toyotas or half tons, so maybe it was on the back of a three quarter ton or one ton. So well, how does it work? So it's got a uh, a long neck that comes all the way down, and like I mean, I don't, I can't even picture how that would work. Yeah, I've I've seen them before. I'm gonna see if I can pull one up on here so you can see it. Um, okay. I don't know why you would go that route, other than if you are um, needing to transport one, mm-hmm. but you don't have the proper hookup for in the bed. So like temporary, so I'm not sure. Yeah. But let me uh, let me see if I'm. Just seems up like it wouldn't. Um, it's not a good plan. <laughs> I don't know what it does to say about it. It's just a uh, fifth wheel on a bumper pole. It just seems like can't be right. Yeah, but usually it's not. It's it's basically like um like a mini. That's tra- a big guy in a little suit. Yeah, but it's like a mini trailer. Yeah. So it has its own axle. Well, why are you assuming it's mini? Why well, this guy could have seen a full? I didn't say Mini huge... Cooper. You are so sensitive no, 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 to no. Mini. No, I'm not. You moron. No, no, I'm it's saying... literally on a Mini trailer. No, I'm telling you how the hitch works. It's it hooks up to your your bumper or to your your rear hitch, right? Yeah. And it has its own set of axles. It's an axle and two wheels and tires, and then the fifth wheel hooks to oh. that. So it's like an articulated. So I don't even know if it's legal in every state, but I have seen them before. Um, so he's not talking about a long neck coming down here. from the fifth wheel hitch like connected this. to. Oh, See, it's a little. Mini, oh, are you sure that that's what he's referring to? No, I that, mean, I don't know. I this guy could have had a ball hitch so right to the fifth wheel. This is a ball. This is a fifth wheel converted to a uh, bumper pull. I see that. I'm guessing that's not what this guy's talking to. But I, who knows? I, well, I mean, those are the two versions. There's either you. Convert that's a full blown cage under these. So the hollow section, like in the sleeper part of the fifth wheel, right where you'd have the bed, right beneath that open space, they've got a cage built with a ball hitch. Yeah, it's a bumper pull receiver, conversion, right? Yeah. Uh, it looks like safetyhitch.com makes that little trailer. Maybe we should have them on and ask them why would people do that? Yeah, here's another one where it has like a cage on a scamp built into the. Um, Basically, to where the fifth wheel is, that ter- converts it into a bumper pull. So yeah, yeah there's I, I, here's another one of those trailers. So I've seen them. Um, I don't know other than maybe you really like that trailer, or you don't have the means of pulling it, or I don't know. I don't if know. you have a fifth wheel, you put the fifth wheel hitch in your truck and call it a day. But that's what I'm saying is if you don't have a fifth wheel hitch in your truck and you have to pull that particular trailer, 
then this is how you would do it. I just say borrow another truck, or borrow or get another trailer. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. I don't know. My name is Robert uh, Duckman Bob nineteen seventy five on Instagram. Still want to say your guys show rocks. Thank and you. Since Appreciate that. I think it was Lightning that mentioned it about the steering being off on the Chevys. Well, ever since you said that, I always look down at my steering wheel and say, man, it is about an inch off. <laughs> yeah, that was Holman. Yeah, thank less. you. I am in my truck now trying to get home. I work in Northridge. Uh, I work for a company that rents out cars to the movie industry. What? And I listen to you guys as much as I can when nobody's around trying to talk my ear off. So keep up the good work. I'm giving you guys five stars, five yeah buddies. <laughs> nice. And keep up the good work. Wow. Have fun, you guys. Did he give us five stars and we forgot to high no, five? I was waiting for the end. Oh, so okay. two things. So oh, right. Five stars and yeah, buddy. Solid that call. So by the way, Duckman Bob on our uh, on our Instagram, he's uh, fairly prolific. Uh, he's one of our, I'd say, one of our top uh, maybe ten posters and interacts with us all the time. Okay. So I, I am well, we should cool speak, to hear his voice. We should speak with him. the The last interaction that I had with a, uh, a studio rental firm like that, where they yeah. rent out cars, my grandfather. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, collected Peugeots, which are super weird, like, you know, but my f- grandfather got hooked up with one of these firms. I think they were out of Burbank, California. And whenever they would do a French film, you know, a, a period piece, they'd yeah. be like, where are we going to get French cars? So my f- grandfather would always get cars. Like, he's got six Peugeots. Where do you get those, right? That's right, because he, he was a French car guy because yeah. of World War II, right? World War II, he was stationed at uh, in France, exactly. And he hung Nazis. That's for a different story, yes, in Nuremberg. Anyway, um... So he would get these calls, and every I once in a while- I believe that's what, when you say thank you for your service. Yes, yeah, thank you for your service. <laughs> I have. He actually has a- We haven't talked about that, have we? It occurs to me, maybe we haven't. No. My, my grandfather wrote a book called By the Neck Until Dead. Oh, really? Yes. Can my, you find it on Amazon? I don't have a clue. Uh, I can look. give you a copy if you'd like. I would love to read that by the- Yeah, by Stanley Tillis, By the Neck Until Dead. And it's a very brief read. It's about a specific occurrence that happened. Uh, it's pretty interesting. And my grandfather actually, I'm sorry, my dad just donated a photo that I'm not going to talk about because the content is kind of questionable um, to the uh, Holocaust Museum here in Los Angeles. So uh, a very rare wow. photo. Yes. Wow. It's on loan from my family to the museum. Well, that's pretty awesome. It's very cool. It's a very, by I the won't way, talk about the content of the photo, but it's it's worth seeing if you're in the L.A. area and you stop by the Holocaust Museum. That is a absolutely amazing museum if you're ever in the L.A. area. Um, it is probably one of the most moving and stunning and thought-provoking and all of those things. Everything you want from a museum. It's not – you literally go there for an education, but it's more than that. You go there because it makes you – feel and understand and, and and I highly recommend it to anybody. I know this is a truck show. Yeah. I appreciate museums, but there's something about the Holocaust Museum. Um it's exceptional and that is definitely a, a place to go and, and, and to learn about those types of things. Yeah. So my grandfather being stationed over there, uh fell in love with uh French cars and, and such and then came over here and had some barn finds. Did you find the book or no? I found the book. By okay. the neck until dead, the gallows of Nuremberg. And uh, you can buy it right now on Amazon mm. for four dollars and ninety three cents in paperback. Cheap. Yeah, it is. It's. I think they only ever made it in paperback. Uh huh. 
And that's um, kind of interesting. It was uh, my you grandfather. You have a copy? I do have a copy. S- send it over. I, I'll read it on my next trip. My grandfather. I don't have a digital copy. No, you, I, oh, I yeah. like to read books. Oh, yeah, I actually yeah, bring yeah. books okay. with me when okay, I go yeah. places. So my grandfather was the one that actually had to sign the documents and stood next to the gallows as they would hang Nazis, the wow. officials. Unbelievable. Yeah, so this is a pretty interesting little occurrence there about one gentleman that um, my grandfather and others could have been court-martialed for mm-hmm. because they let um, one of the Nazis strangle to death. Oh, it wasn't quick. That's correct. It, my, my grandfather and Who others. Who cares, I say. Yeah, well, so I, the, the hangman actually could have been court-martialed. My, uh, both my grandfathers served, and uh, one of them was... Um, in the Pacific region, he was in mechanic for uh, Navy airplanes. And so after he would fix them, he would have to go up with a flight crew to flight check them to make sure he wasn't a saboteur or something like that. Oh, wow. It's kind of interesting. And my other grandfather was uh, loading bombs for the, I believe, the Army Air Force in um, in Egypt. How do we get on this friendship? Oh, we were talking about rental cars. Rental for cars, the, for the right, because industry. rental anyway. cars lead directly well, to World War II. It was just uh, cool because like, my grandfather would get a call, and, I would, and I'm would, and i small at this point. You know, I'm five to seven years old or whatever it was, maybe ten. And uh, and I'd find myself on a movie set in, in the middle That's of- pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm just- in, and, and and every once in a while, um, my grandfather would they'd say, like, we don't know how to drive these things. Our stuntman, we're only going ten miles an hour down the street or whatever. So my grandfather was in all these period pieces in these French films. It was kind of odd. And I'd be sitting in the back seat. And uh, I was so small, though, that you couldn't see me. So if you're looking for World War II talk, this is the show for you. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, damn. I want to thank uh, Mr. Macy for uh, for stopping by. Great guest. And uh, for the last two shows, episodes 68 and 69, I've been a whirlwind right here at Truck Show Podcast. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. And don't forget to hit us up on our socials at Truck Show Podcast or send us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the five-star hotline. That's 657-205-6105. Oh, and we... Five-star. Five-star. Hotline. Couldn't stop the jingle. Just yeah, roll right, through, roll right through it. <laughs> I was going to say, don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. Yes. Five, five stars. stars. Honestly, we haven't said this in at least... Four or five episodes. We've sort of forgotten. We have, and it's very, very important to us as as both podcasters and and people. Like, we honestly, are actually uh, approaching 450 five star reviews on uh, on iTunes. Which we is should have awesome. a we should have a 500 five star review party. Oh my gosh! We should no, do. we should do. I here. I'm going to throw this out there. If we get to 500 this summer, sometime mm-hmm. or sooner, mm-hmm. we should have a 500 five star party here at Motor Trend and show people the studios and have like a listener deal here at the office. Will they let us open it up to people? Yeah, like, sure. Like the hot rod garage next door well, and all know, that stuff? I don't know. We'd have, to, we'd have to ask our facilities and management. But Could how... we throw one in the photo cove next to us over here? Yeah. Just a little cocktail to- party or totally. something? Wouldn't it be cool if we just did like some beers and stuff Hell and yeah. the taco guy or something? Like a Saturday or something? On a Saturday and had people come just hang out with us for a couple hours and record a show while we're here? Well, it's good if you're in the LA area. It's bad if you're in Florida. Well, yeah, but uh, you know... We will be in Florida. We, we will. Daytona yeah, Truck Me. Daytona Truck Me. Ah, wow. We it, should do that. Yeah. So here's the thing about the five-star reviews. Like, you know, it, it, we, we are looking for feedback. Certainly, we get email. We get your five-star hotline calls. We love that. But the the uh, the rating on iTunes really, really helps us. And, um, and our sponsors see that. Uh, other people, new fans, potential fans, see it's it's really important. So if you can leave us a quick review, just a couple of words and a and a and a five star. We've got a three since the last time we read. How about uh, this one from Jeej Three? Hey guys, 
just finished listening to the Moab Easter Jeep episode. Another excellent adventure. Thanks for taking us along. You never disappoint. And that's five five stars. stars. And then we've got one from Fargo Gal. My husband listens to this podcast on long drives. It's actually entertaining and fun for me as well. I appreciate that we can play with the five-year-old in the car. And that was also (laughs) five five stars. And then uh, from Evan Fitchy says, me and my dad both listen to you guys, and you guys are an awesome podcast. Please make more. And that was also... Wait, 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 Holman. I'm going to let Emmy do it. Five-star review! Five-star! <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah, please give us a review. Uh, if we hit 500, we're, we're going to have a party. Yeah. I All think right. uh, that'd be cool, right? I'm in. We'll bring the beer. All right. And maybe we can get Nissan to bring a couple Titans down. Oh! You check them out in person. Hells yeah. Like Nissan, Nissan, the uh, best warranty in the business. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty on the Titan and the Titan XD. Also, if you're looking for a slightly smaller truck, check out the Frontier. Or if you're looking for a van, the NV Series of Vans are oh. amazing. I have an idea, too. Yes, sir. Okay. What if we did a listener meetup here on a Saturday to celebrate our 500th five-star review? We had some beers. We had our friends at Nissan provide a, a XD or a Titan for people to check out. Okay. And you know what has a deck in it? The Surf Camp? Well, if the Surf Camp is around, it might be on the East Coast. Okay. The Truck Trend NV2500 Events Van oh. has a deck system in the back. Okay. And we could park that out there as well. I love it. That would be pretty cool. And are we, oh, it's we, but, oh, uh, no, I got it. I, that's awesome. Okay. You need to barbecue. People have, they've heard about your barbecue skills. Hmm. Maybe a smoke a brisket. First come, first serve. You serve. could just do dogs and burgers, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's no fun. Yeah, Anybody no can fun. do yeah. dogs and burgers. All right, well, we need to, uh, let, uh, pun intended, marinate on this a little bit <laughs> and uh, see if we can do it. Because, listen, we are very close to 500 five-star reviews, and I want to celebrate with our listeners. Uh, ooh. Yes. We'll give out the <laughs> rest of our T-shirts and stickers, too. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> All right, I like that. I, I think I think on that note, yeah. um, I'm off to Overland uh, Expo. You and, are and indeed. I'm, and I'm bringing the recorder. Great. And we're going to talk to a bunch of wheelers and people with uh, all sorts of different trucks and setups and... Uh, Hopefully we get a Overland Expo uh, expose. This is going to be a really busy next couple of weeks. We got that, yeah. and then we roll into uh, DPC Power Challenge, yep. and then we roll right into Daytona, Daytona Truck, truck Meet. Hey, yeah, yeah. So if you guys like truck content, stay tuned because the truck, the, place. <laughs> the truck Show podcast has in spades. And for everybody who's going, I know. What about your mini truck episode? What about your it's Daytona episode, guys? We're traveling so much that as soon as uh, hopefully summertime mellows out a bit, we can get some of those uh, yeah. big ones that we've been promised, uh, you know, recorded and, and, and out to you. But we're It'll working happen. on it. It'll, It'll happen. happen. It'll happen. All right. We love you guys. We out. All right. Five, Five stars. stars!